And what I'd like to talk about this evening is a little bit about the culture of this community, because it's really quite unique and it can be quite confusing, uh, <coughs> one aspect about this, this culture. And this, this foundation of this community is that it's a culture of generosity. And, um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we're deeply committed to. So one of the commitments that the Flagstaff Insight Meditation community has is that we offer um, everything freely. So for example, in, um, in, in, in we were doing this with the Prescott Sangha. We're doing a seven-day retreat in May. Fortunately, it's all, all full right now. But it's, it, it, we're offering it freely. It's a residential retreat. So when people come, everything's been paid for. And then if they want to give, they can give to the next retreat. And when we offer retreats here, the Monday night, what's important is that it's, it's freely offered. Um, and the reason for this is so that we can open up this door of this, this, this culture of generosity. And it can be difficult to understand because so much of the mind, if your mind is like mine, has been conditioned by a consumer e economy, which is, means that when I get something, then I should pay for it. And that's the way it works. And I'm not saying... You know, it's not saying, you know, that's, that's completely and absolutely evil. You know, we have different ways of looking at capitalist economies. I don't want to say where I'm situated on that, but maybe you can guess. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be open-minded. <laughs> and so it's, it's difficult to get this sense of, um, of, of, of the activity of generosity. And I know it took me quite a while to get a sense of what does a, a culture of generosity mean? What does it mean to engage in that? What are some of the elements of that? So I want to talk a little bit about, um, about this culture of generosity and why we engage in it and, and some invitations about, uh, to you about how to engage in this culture. And hopefully it will go beyond just this, this room here. And there's many, you could say, different uh, facets to it that are important to really understand. The first facet that I want to point out, and this can be challenging is um, to remember when we get together on Monday nights, our main focus, I know this is going to sound strange, is just so we can have a good time. That's why we get together. That's what a spiritual path is about. Like if you really understand what the Buddha was talking about, I know some of you are like, come on, <laughs> seriously, I've read the Buddha. He talks about suffering and the end of suffering. What's up with this? Have a good time. But he's really interested about how can we have a good time? Because we do such a bad job of it. I mean, it's amazing how much of my life I've tried to have a good time, and boy, it has not worked. Because I actually don't know how to have a good time. It's a, it's, a, it's a skill to know how to really have a good time. And the way the, the Buddha actually began his teaching is to basically say, this is my translation of the early Pali discourses of Buddhism. He said, if you really want to start to get a feeling sense of what it means and what it feels like to have a good time, you should try to um, engage in generosity in some kind of manner. Because actually it feels so good to be generous. And that's why he encouraged people to engage in generosity is because it was a kind of joy that has a sweetness to it that other things in our life don't have. That we might think have a lot of joy to them, but they don't compare to generosity. One is this whole activity of acquisition. You know, so much of, I can notice how my mind's conditioned to think that if I get more things, that's where I'm going to get a hit of joy. But it's, it often is not as, it doesn't feel as good as when I give something. 
whether it be giving my attention or giving my care to someone or giving a meal to someone, boy, it feels so good. And so it's this training in how can you enjoy, have a good time with generosity. And I know for me, what giving has been associated with, and maybe this is just how I'm situated, I was brought up Catholic. There's some good things about being brought up Catholic. I don't want to diss it completely. But uh, so much of it uh, started to be associated with um, guilt, that if I don't give, I'm a bad person. Or obligation, it is my duty to give. Or if I want to be a good person, this is what I do. But all of these narratives that I've just shared with you are very, very different than having a good time and actually savoring and enjoying the feeling of generosity. And maybe some of you can relate to this. Maybe those are some of the messages that you too have had around generosity. That you got to do it if you want to be if you want to be seen as a good person, or you got to do it if you don't want to be a bad person, or you're obligated to. Like here, you come to the Monday nights and you feel this pressure. You know, when we, when we offer, you know, when the, when the bag goes around or something like that, that this is what I have to do. And that kind of, and I want to point out, that's what we're not trying to cultivate. That's not the culture of this community. The culture of this community is to see if we can open up the space to enjoy giving, to enjoy the feeling of generosity. And that's why we try to have this sense of that when you come here, you are not obligated at all to give anything. It is completely okay to come here every night and not to give anything. It's really important to understand that. Because if there's some kind of sense of obligation, what it does is it undermines your opportunity to enjoy giving. And that's not what we're looking for. We're trying to open up that space. So this is a, a, a big piece of this. And uh, the Buddha speaks about this. He, he, he speaks about it as a, as a, um, actually a training. And he talks about what he says, it is this gladness connected with the wholesome that I call an equipment of the mind. So th then he goes on and explains this. He says, here a practitioner, when they engage in generosity, for example, they will think, oh, I am one who engages in generosity. Basically, and this feels so good, and, and as a result of that, they gain, gain inspiration in that, that, that experience. They gain inspiration in this path, the spiritual path that's based on generosity. And then they gain the gladness connected with acts of generosity. And what it is, is there's a kind of equipment of the mind. It, it stabilizes the heart and the mind in such a beautiful way. So do you hear, this is an art, this is a training. Can you find ways to enjoy giving in your day-to-day -day life? Where is that? To actually, to, to drop off, you know, if I'm giving enough or not enough, but to start with, this feels good, and to touch into that. It's, it really is an art. And I think one reflection that sometimes helps me around this is that when I consider there I am lying on my deathbed and I'm reflecting back on my life and the way I engaged in life, and I ask myself, what is really going to fill my heart in that moment? 
What past experiences are going to fill my heart with joy? Is it going to be the things that I acquired during my life? Is it even going to be the experiences that I acquired? Or is it going to be acts of generosity in all the multivarious ways that they appear in my life? To reflect on that. Because I know when I reflect on being on my death, deathbed, that's the thing that really fills my heart, is what have I given to the world? What have I given to those who are close to me? What have I given to my community? <clears throat> and just when I consider that, boy, it feels so good. There's a kind of, do you, do you notice there's a different flavor to that kind of joy than the things that you've gotten out of life? You can, you can live an entire life of getting and how empty that can be. I remember this becoming really so clear to me. I was, uh, when I was a Zen monk, there was a, a practitioner who had gotten involved in, in practice, and it was basically because he had really come to the end in his, in his career. So he was, um, I don't want to name the name, but um, he, uh, uh, become, he had become um, basically a chief editor of probably the biggest magazine conglomerate in this country. And he had, he had, uh, was, had, had achieved it at the youngest age that anyone had. And so this is kind of one of the, the top positions in his career. There was no place for him to go farther. And it was at that point that he told me that he realized how horrible his life was. He had lived a world of success and actually had acquired a tremendous amount of wealth, but was incredibly unhappy. And really what it boiled down to is, is he said, because it is, is that it wasn't, his life was not centered around giving. His life was centered around getting. And actually that's when his life really changed. He quit his job. And really what he does now is he really does simple things around, you know, taking care of the community that's around him. It's really what fills his heart. And he's content. He's so much more content than being that successful person. This is also a training to start to get a sense that, that a feeling of a kind of joy that is connected with letting go. Because so often what I associate with letting go is that life is bad when I let go. And generosity gives me this feeling of, wow, when I let go, it feels so good. It actually opens my heart. And then when I'm, when I'm called upon to kind of let go of unskillful ways of being in the world, it's easier because I know how good it feels to let go of these things, to drop them, because it actually frees the heart. So that's why it's so important to get a feeling sense of this kind of joy, because it's directly connected with the joy that comes from meditation the kind of the insight and wisdom that comes from meditation. So I, I hope you're hearing that generosity is not just this simple thing, but it's connected really with the deepest wisdom of this path. To deeply understand generosity is to deeply understand what freedom, spiritual freedom is all about. And I want to point out, you know, there are so many opportunities for generosity. So many different ways to give. So for example, you know, so I'm going to make a little list of this. I'm curious, 
what comes to mind when I ask you what are different ways to give? What are different ways that you can give? What comes to mind? What are things that you can give or ways that you can give? A smile? Yeah. Great. Thank you. Uh-huh. I saw um, a woman the other day standing on the corner asking for things and she was really, really sunburnt and I really wish I would have had sunscreen to give to her. It could be sunscreen. Yeah. yeah. Great. And any any other things that or ways that generosity? Time. Time. To give time. Great. Listening. Listening. Yes. Nice. Gratitude. To give no, gratitude. Yeah. Attention. To give attention. Yeah. yeah. I like when people turn off their cell phone when they talk to me. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a cool way to uh, to, say, to give I'm is to turn off one cell phone? <laughs> I love that. Give service. To give service. Uh -huh. <coughs> to prepare food. Food, yeah. Mm. Uh, give space. Kindness, to give space. Touch. Space, okay. touch, yeah. Mm -hmm. An open space in traffic. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Patience, yeah. Wholehearted acceptance. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Forgiveness. Hmm. Yeah. You can give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Be understanding. Be understanding. Yeah. And teach someone else's. Is a kind of giving, isn't it? Yeah. Receiving. Yeah. So that's really important, right? Yeah. So I want to come back to that. Isn't that important? That skill of actually receiving. Yeah. And forgiving. Yeah, forgiving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Truth. Truth. Yeah. Medical care. Medical care. Mm -hmm. Great, yeah. Knowledge, teaching. Knowledge and teaching. Mm -hmm. Being present while someone is dying. Yeah, great. Say again? Love. Love, yeah. Hospitality. Mm. Mm hmm. Honesty. What? Honesty. Honesty. And then Molly, were you going to say something? Laughter. Laughter. Nice. Yeah. It's love. Donna. Donna. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So just to take a moment. Um, what is it like to hear this list? It's pretty sweet, don't you think? Mm -hmm. You have like happy laughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
it really does lift the heart in some kind of manner. Yeah. Because you cannot say that you have nothing to give, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I want to share with you even some other ways of giving. This is um, from the Zen Master Dogen. And the wonderful thing I love about Zen is that it, that it really stretches our understanding. And so remember, when things stretch our understanding, often it doesn't make sense. But sometimes it pushes our sense of, of the practice and also of generosity. So, let me see if I can read these. <clears throat> so he says, it, uh, giving, it is to give away unneeded belongings to someone you don't know. To even offer flowers blooming on a distant mountain to someone who you respect. You give yourself to yourself and others to others. You know, what is it to give yourself to yourself and to give others to others? What would it be like to engage in that, to get the feeling of generosity? No, so give even a phrase or a verse of the truth. It will be wholesome seed for this and other lifetimes. Give your valuables, even a penny or a blade of grass. It will be a wholesome root for so long. And then he, he, he uh, refers to this uh, story. He says, A child offered sand to the Buddha and became King Ashoka in a later birth. Just a little bit about this story. So, um, it said that this, there was this child that was on the beach and the Buddha was passing by and, and the, the child was so moved by how the Buddha was, was um, uh, comporting himself. There was this, this, this impulse just to give and there was nothing around but sand. But there was something so, off, uh, uh, so powerful just to give a grain of sand that allowed his uh, life to um, unfold in this radically different way. So even that is a powerful way of, of giving. So to launch a boat or, a bu or build a bridge is an act of giving. And hopefully you think of the metaphorical quality of that. If you study giving closely, you see that to accept a body and to give up the body are both giving. Can you fully accept this body as a kind of act of giving? As, as Steve said, this, this act of receiving is a kind of, of giving. And have you ever noticed that? What a difference it makes, like when you offer something to someone, and they say, oh, no, you know, I, I'd rather not. It's just like, and what it feels like to actually offer something to someone in the, in the receiving, and how important it is to fully receive something, and what a gift it is to others. Or making a living and producing things can be nothing other than giving. And this, I think, is so striking. To leave flowers to the wind, to leave birds to the seasons, are also acts of giving. So I, I hope that you hear with a little bit of what Dogen's talking about is that, that there's so many different levels to giving. Sometimes it's actually giving something, like a blade of grass or a, a particle of sand or giving money or giving food. But it's also a way of being in the world, to leave flowers to the wind. 
to actually be in a state of generosity in my relationship to the world. Do you see the, the, the vast depth of generosity? And that's why it's so important that this is, this is the foundation of our, of our community here, is so that we explore this. So essential. So another facet of this, is, so what's most important in terms of this community, what's the, the most important thing to get a feeling sense for around generosity, which I can't emphasize enough, is enjoying it. That is, that is key. That's what we're looking for to give you an opportunity, whether it be here or elsewhere, to enjoy it. And then sometimes what opens up from that is also a deeper understanding of what generosity is, especially in this community or really in every moment of our lives. And that's this, this, um, this quality of reciprocity. And so a little bit about the history of this. So when the Buddha was, was uh, creating a community, a monastic community, he made a very interesting rule that had uh, very uh, large consequences for um, the monastics, which was, it was the rule that they couldn't keep food overnight. And this was very intentional, so it demanded if they couldn't keep food overnight, that means that they would have to go into the village every day to beg for food. And this was very different than other monastics or practicing, practicing communities. Sometimes they would go get food and then they'd stay in the forest for, for a long time. And there was a big reason for this because he, he felt that the monastic community had to be in relationship with the villagers. This, this whole community of reciprocity. And that's why it was so important that, that they um, beg for food and then they have to do it again the next day. So if, if, if monastics, if you actually, and this still is still uh, true to this day, a lot of times monastics will give, uh, get more food than they can eat, then they actually have to dump that out somewhere and then to go back for it. They can't keep it. Or they can give it to another monastic or someone who needs the food to keep that, that quality of uh, reciprocity going. And also you find when the Buddha is creating this monastic community, and this is sometimes not understood because it's been so long since that, is that so many of the rules were created around keeping harmony with, with, the, with the villagers. That, that so much of what was important for him was continuing this relationship of reciprocity. So this is an essential uh, piece for the kind of community that, that early Buddhism was situated upon. And so I think, and this is a really tricky, subtle thing. Like, I think sometimes people uh, come on retreat or to the Monday night and there's a feeling of, you know, it's free, which I think it's great to feel that it's free. <clears throat> but it can get hooked with, again, a consumeristic culture. Because that's how we get hooked, right? Is, oh, cool, this is free. But it's important to remember that nothing is free. When somebody's giving to you a free product, it's always good to consider who made that. And what are they getting paid? And what are the systems in place to actually make that free or to make that cheap? And a lot of times it's based on somebody getting oppressed. It's not taking into account there's a whole system at play there. And so I think it's important to remember on another level, nothing is free. And when I, when I start to get that, it allows me to enter into this field of reciprocity of really getting this sense of, of uh, there's a kind of relationship that's always going, going on. 
And it's true, there's another aspect of this quality of freely, offered, freely offering this, which is really important for our community, is that so often the things that are offered um, in, in, in this world, uh, <coughs> it, it gets limited in terms of socioeconomic status of who gets it and who doesn't. And that's one thing that we don't want to do here, that regardless of one's uh, socioeconomic status, that you can come here. As I said, that you can come every Monday night, you can come to retreats as much as you want. And it, it, it doesn't matter where you are in terms of uh, that kind of status. And that's why it's so important that there is no obligation, that it feels really good that you can be here and not put anything in those containers or even feel bad about it. So there's a, there's a space for that. But this, this quality of reciprocity is, is all around us. You know, I, I was just considering, you know, uh, my wife and I, we have um, raspberry bushes. And it's interesting uh, to notice uh, the quality of mind that we relate to those raspberry bushes um, with. I think what's, what's so important for us is that we have a duty towards those raspberry bushes. Our duty is to actually take care of them. That we are caretakers, we're in relationship with them. And as we take care of them, they actually give us something, which are these beautiful berries. And it's this beautiful r relationship of reciprocity. <coughs> and that feels so different than, how can I squeeze the most out of these plants so I can get the most berries? <laughs> and that's often the way we think about the world and also we think about the environment. How can we twist this so I can get it as much as I can? And then what happens is there's not an understanding of reciprocity, there's not an opportunity for generosity, and there's harm. I, one of the things that is moving to me is this, there's a lot of uh, First Nation and uh, uh, Native American um, tribes that have this uh, reciprocal relationship with uh, salmon. And in particular, uh, what comes to mind is the Nisqually tribe in the state of Washington. And there's all these ceremonies around before um, uh, fishing for salmon, honoring the salmon and where they came from and this reciprocal relationship that they have with this creature and how they feel that, that, that really um, so much of their life and their lives of the salmon go back so, so, um, so far back. And it's honoring relationship. And it's uh, quite interesting, the Nisqually Drive has done so much to protect, you know, salmon in terms of habitat restoration and other conservation practices. And I, I don't know about this year, but I know maybe it was uh, last year. It was the first time that um, they weren't going to be fishing for salmon because the salmon, the, 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 the salmon population was too low. It's such a different relationship. Not, what can I get out of this? But, I, but I'm in, in this relationship with this other being. And I want to honor that in some kind of way. And I think this is another dimension of, of generosity. One, the joyousness of it, but also a, f a feeling sense of, of uh, reciprocity. So for our, our practice tonight, when we meditate, I invite you to have a different feeling sense of what we're doing here.
can you have a feeling sense that your job here is to give your attention to this moment and that each moment you have this opportunity to give which is to give your attention just to what's going on right now to give your kind attention to the feeling of the of the breath which might have a feeling of kind of giving yourself to yourself giving your attention to when there's a sound that pulls the mind away from the breath and when the mind's lost in lo thoughts and you're just kind of so many thoughts are going on and on and on but then there's that moment when the mind comes back oh here's a gift a gift one more moment where I get to be here and what does it feel like just to have these opportunities to give sometimes that's that's the wonderful thing about the mind getting lost so much is then you have all these moments <laughs> moments to kind of give again and again and again I mean, you, you might have uh, over a hundred times to, to kind of <laughs> reinitiate giving your attention to this moment. So let's, let's give that a try. So let's, um, if you need to stand up and stretch, feel free to do that or to move around and then we'll um, begin to sit here in just one minute.